the children come Don't dare drive them away And then the kingdom comes Hear the holy foolish things they say The springtime of their life decides The adults they'll become So let the children come Please let the children Welcome to Children's Bible Journey, with stories and songs just for kids. We have a dramatized Bible story coming up, but let's get today's program started by singing praises to our awesome God.
singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing story from the Bible in Living Sound. On that day, Noah, his sons, and his wife, and the three wives of his sons with them, entered into the ark which the Lord God had commanded Noah to build. And water came down from the heavens and from the earth under and prevailed. And after an hundred and fifty days, the ark rested upon the mountains of Ararat. And Noah went forth from the ark and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the three sons of Noah begat sons and daughters. Ham begat Cush, and Cush begat Nimrod. And Nimrod went forth and founded an empire and builded great cities, including Babel. And out of that land went forth Ashur and founded a tiny but aggressive empire along the west bank of the river Zab. As the little empire grew and waxed powerful, it became known as Assyria. In Israel, Hoshea began to reign at Samaria. 
and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, called together his wise men and counselors. Bow the knee, Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, enters. Oh. Is everyone present? They are, your most royal majesty. Long live the... I didn't command you to arise. Bow before me. Touch your forehead to the floor and remain that way. The rest of you... Arise. Long live King Shalmaneser. I am the king of a great country, the greatest king of the greatest empire on earth. Long live King Shalmaneser. king of Assyria before me, conquered many lands and added greatly to the territory of Assyria. There are two things he did that are worthy of mention in my court. Tiglath-Pileser conquered Babylon and made sure of its continual allegiance by the simple process of making himself its king. Secondly, he made a vassal state of Judah under King Ahaz. He was unable to conquer Israel. But I shall conquer Israel and make Hoshea their king... Pay a large yearly ransom. Uh, your royal majesty. You may speak, general. It seems that the Israelites win battles not by their own efforts or might, but by the power and mysterious intervention of their god. Ah, general, you are right. The history of Israel proves it. But I am all wise. And a careful study of the history of Israel shows that their God wins battles for them only when they worship and pay homage to him. Right now, they are not doing this. They disobey and dishonor their God. Therefore, General, now is the time to strike. They cannot by themselves win against our superior forces. <laughs> what thou hast said, O king, is true. Now is the time to war against Israel. <laughs> Another city of Israel is ours. Long live the great and wise king. Yes, general. I bear glad tidings, O king. Many cities of Israel, including the capital city yes, itself. Yes, yes, I know all about your cities and victories. What I want to know is, what sort of tribute is Hoshea, king of Israel, going to pay me? <laughs> More than he can afford to pay, I assure you, O king. But he will pay it? Uh, yes, O king, or off comes his head. He understands this? Yes, O king. Good. <laughs> General, Hoshea, king of Israel, has... Begging the great king's pardon, but Hoshea is only vassal king of Israel. Yes, <laughs> true, true, general. And this year he's going to have to pay a bigger tribute than last year, or off comes his head. <laughs> General, Hoshea paid last year's tribute without objection. Raise it higher again this year. Make Hoshea pay even more this year, General. Higher, General. Higher, <laughs> higher, higher. You 
say that Hoshia refuses to pay tribute? He says he can't pay that much, O oh great and mighty king. He has to. That's exactly what I told him, your royal majesty. And his reply? O oh great and mighty king, he claims that he has made an alliance with King So of Egypt. And that together they can make us pay them tribute. <laughs> <laughs> King So is a weakling. Weaker, if possible, than Hoshia. Make us pay them? <laughs> Gather together the army. Muster every able-bodied man. We'll show those two puppets who'll pay who. <laughs> How goes the battle, scribe? They have broken down the city gates, Your Majesty, and are, are now going from street to street, house to house, killing or taking captive the people. We haven't a chance? Oh, none whatsoever, Your Majesty. None whatsoever is correct. Israel now belongs to Assyria. Your crown, your throne, your kingdom is gone, gone forever. In your place sits a great king, His Royal Majesty Shalmaneser. And here he is, the great and mighty king of all Assyria. Greetings, Hoshia. So you refuse to pay me tribute. That was your greatest mistake, Hoshia, past king of Israel. How you... God, seize these men! Guards! Guards! Your guards, like your kingdom, are no more. Their heads this very minute roll from their shoulders. Likewise, the cities and villages of Israel are no more. The people are taken captive. Israel is mine. The God of Israel will not let this condition continue. He will come to our rescue. He will destroy you, your nation, all heathen peoples. I shall call upon him, and he will utterly destroy... <laughs> heathen people? Who be more heathen than the people of Israel? You have forsaken the God of your fathers, the God who, by power and might, led your forebears out of the land of Egypt, who through miraculous means delivered Israel from her enemies. But now, <laughs> call upon your God, entreat him. He will not answer. For you do not serve him. You serve other gods. Ah, what a pity. Had you been true to your god and served only him, he would now come to your rescue. He would have made Israel a great nation, probably the greatest in the world. What a sad ending to what could have been a glorious victory. General... Have this last king of Israel placed in irons and taken back to Ashur and cast in the dungeon. We'll continue the Bible story tomorrow. And if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye. Peter was a fisherman. Peter was a fisherman. And he made a little wish to catch 
catch a lot of fish, but instead he ended up with an empty dish. So Jesus said, Peter, try the other side. Jesus said, Peter, try the other side. So he threw his nets into the rolling sea, and he said, look at all the fish that came to me. yourself did you let me explain when you pray you're talking to god you know the creator of the entire universe the greatest power that exists no one knows more than god does so well whenever you have a problem you're supposed to get help right right like if you're sick you want the best doctor right right and if your car breaks down you want the best mechanic right right and if you're hungry you want the best cook to fix you food, like my mom, right? So, so when you have a problem, a serious problem, like you're worried about something or scared about something or someone is mean to you, you want to find the best help there is. That would be God. Carlos, are you worried about something? No. Are you scared about something? Mm, no. Is someone mean to you? No. So why do you need to pray? I'm just saying that praying is like reminding yourself that there's someone just waiting to help you when you have a serious problem. Like when something bad happens, you can say, Hey God, I'm your old friend and I have a serious problem. And he's ready to give you some good ideas on how to deal with it. In other words, praying is like keeping the door to heaven open? Wow, that's beautiful, Dora. Hey, I can figure things out too, you know. Jesus wants to be our friend. He's interested in everything we do and longs to be included in our lives. He has placed in our hearts a desire to share our deepest secrets and brightest hopes with Him. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Chapter 5, The Secret Tunnel. I don't know if I'm more mad or scared, Jenny said. First, the Bible disappears right in front of our noses. Then the house key disappears. Now someone took my new watch. This is really strange, Dee Dee said. Who was here but Marcus, Mom, and the two of us? And we were either in this room or with them the whole time. I think we have a thief in this house, Jenny declared, and I vote we call the police. And tell them what? 
that someone stole an old beat-up Bible, a key, and a kid's watch while we were awake in the same house? I don't think so. Well, what do we do then? Jenny put her hands on her hips and stared at her friend. Let's keep exploring, Dee Dee said. This house has a lot of secrets. Maybe whoever's taking our things is using the secret passage. Maybe we can catch them or find where our stuff is hidden. Okay, Jenny agreed. Let's start with that closet. I just know it's hiding a secret passage. Dee Dee grabbed the old chair from the corner. We need a chair to reach the ceiling, she said. Help me move this one. Together, Dee Dee and Jenny dragged and pushed the chair into the closet. When it was in place, Jenny dug through her suitcase and found the flashlight she had brought along. She stepped onto the chair and reached up as high as she could, but she still couldn't quite reach the ceiling. What now, she asked. Dee Dee thought a moment. Let me get on the chair with you. I'll boost you up to the opening and you can look and see if there's anything up there. After Dee Dee climbed onto the chair with Jenny, Jenny lifted one foot and stepped into Dee Dee's cupped hands. Dee Dee lifted her hand up until Jenny's fingers could just reach the edge of the hole. Hold on for just a second, Jenny said. She lay her flashlight on the upper edge of the dark hole and grabbed the opening with both hands. Now push! Jenny, the chair's leg looks awfully wobbly, Dee Dee said. You'd better hurry up. Just as those words left Dee Dee's mouth, she heard the sound of wood cracking. Suddenly, there was no chair under her. Eek! Dee Dee screamed. She fell against the side of the closet, then hit the floor. I think I'm okay, she said, but the chair is in pieces. Are you okay, Jenny? Dee Dee looked around but didn't see her friend. Jenny, where are you? Up here, Jenny answered. She was still hanging from the hole in the ceiling. How do I get down? Hold on just a second, Dee Dee said, pushing the broken chair out of the way. Now drop. Jenny hesitated a second, then dropped to the floor. The two of them looked at each other and giggled. Why did you come back down, Dee Dee asked. I thought you would climb on through. Well, while I was hanging up there, I realized that if your grandmother was a girl like us, she probably couldn't climb into her ceiling like this either, Jenny said. The opening had to be easier to get to than this. Maybe we are doing this the hard way, Dee Dee said. We've got the diary. Maybe it tells us where the secret passage is. Her words were answered by a rolling sound. Both girls looked up at the hole to the attic just in time to see Jenny's flashlight roll away from the edge. Then they heard it drop somewhere. Well, now we have no flashlight, Jenny said. Dee Dee and Jenny went back to the diary. They flipped through many pages that were faded and impossible to read. Then they opened to August 1. I sneaked in to see Captain Morgan tonight. He is a good man. I believe that. He's done bad things before, but Daddy is reading the Bible with him every night. His wound is getting better, and soon he will be able to go outside. A week later, Dee Dee's grandmother had written, August 8. Tonight, Captain Morgan told me about a bad thing he did to a black family down in Mississippi. He burned their house and killed the Daddy. He is real sad about it now, especially because Daddy told him that other white men burned our house before. Captain Morgan said he loves Jesus now and he wants to do something for this family. Finally, the girls found one more entry that was not fated. August 11. I lost my Captain Morgan, but Jesus will take care of him now. I will miss him. Henry did stay with us like Captain Morgan promised, but he had to stay in the cellar. Daddy says, if people see Henry, we will get in trouble. I sneak down to see Henry every night. I love Henry, but I love Captain Morgan more. Goodbye. There were no more entries in the book. Dee Dee closed the diary and rolled over on the bed to look at Jenny. So Captain Morgan did die, Dee Dee said. 
How sad. It sounds like Grandma really loved him. They must have taken him down to the river and killed him like we heard. Who's Henry, Jenny asked. The diary talks about Henry staying in the cellar. That's the basement, Dee Dee said. That's what I thought, Jenny said. But who was there? Maybe Henry was one of Captain Morgan's... Another sailor, maybe? I don't know who Henry is, but I do know I am getting tired, Dee Dee said. Yeah, if I had my watch, I could tell you how late it's getting, Jenny said. But I don't. We'll look for your watch tomorrow, Dee Dee said, yawning. And for Henry. The girls put their pajamas on, said their prayers, and climbed into their sleeping bags. Good night, Jenny said, switching off the light. Night, said Dee Dee, yawning again. Jenny lay awake listening to the wind blow through the branches of the old oak tree outside the window. Then she heard another sound. It sounded like fingernails scratching slowly across a chalkboard. Something squeaked. Jenny sat up suddenly. What if it was a rat? Dee Dee, Dee Dee, did you hear that? Dee Dee's response came back slowly. Did I hear what? Jenny was wide awake. I heard a rat. At least it sounded like a rat. Dee Dee rolled over. I didn't hear anything. Now go to sleep. Jenny took a deep breath and lay down. I was sure I heard a rat, she said, mostly to herself. Jenny was just about to drift off to sleep when she felt Dee Dee shaking her awake. Jenny, listen. Jenny shook the cobwebs out of her mind and listened. Off in the distance, she heard a tearing sound, then a muffled voice, then something banged. Jenny turned over and looked in Dee Dee's direction, and immediately she noticed something strange. Look, she said, grabbing Dee Dee by the shoulder. The two of them looked across the wooden floor to the base of the far wall. Where the wall and the floor met, a line of yellow light shone toward them. Where's that coming from, Dee Dee asked. There's no door on that wall. It must be my flashlight that rolled around in the attic, Jenny answered. It's inside the wall. It's showing us where the opening to the secret passage is. Jenny and Dee Dee crawled across the floor on their stomachs to peer into the tiny crack where the light shone through. Dee Dee studied it closely before she finally said something. Look, there's a little door here. It's been wallpapered over, but if this is the bottom of the door, it should open if we pull it. Here. Dee Dee dug her fingernails into the wallpaper at a point about a foot above the floor. The wallpaper pulled apart easily, and the hidden door opened. Dust and cobwebs greeted the girls, and Dee Dee coughed a couple of times, but immediately they saw Jenny's flashlight shining at them about eight feet down the narrow crawl space. Well, what are we waiting for? Dee Dee said. Let's follow it and see where it goes. The story you have heard today is a chapter of The Shoebox Kids, Book 7, The Clue in the Secret Passage, written by Glenn Robinson, edited and created by Jerry D. Thomas, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come. Don't dare drive them away. And then the kingdom comes. Hear the holy, foolish things they say. The springtime of their life decides the adults they'll become. So let the children come. 
Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Lifetalk Radio at lifetalk.net.